there's so many doorways into talking about depression, but I, I like to, I, I'll start with this doorway on my end is that like my best gift was, well, two, two things were really helpful to me. And one of the things was um, your email that you sent me was super helpful to me, man. Um, and I, I just, you know, I got to tell you, I reread that before we met just to see what I told you. And I really laid it on thick there. That was a long email. It was great, man. It was what I needed. And, and Hey, you know, when you're in the depression and stuff and you're trying to figure stuff out, you're reading 15 minute things, right. you're watching hour long videos. So no, yeah. it was not laid on too thick, man. It was like the content I needed, but oh, I'm glad um, that, that was helpful at the, in that yeah. moment. So like you, for you, like it was interesting. Like you gave me the permission to like to be in my depression without being hard on myself about it. Like you gave me the permission to like be in the bunker because right now it's really scary outside because something happened that hurt. Something happened that hurt. Something happened that was too much. Something happened that was not enough. Like yeah. it's either not life is either not enough and then you become too much. Or, or life is too much and then you start feeling not enough, right? It's like, wow, those, one of those two things happen. And, and for me, it was like, life was becoming too much. Like I, I actually, I have um, manic depression. Uh, I, I've, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit of bipolar. So um, I only say a little bit because, you know, knock on wood, I've only had one like intense manic episode, but um this depressive thing came off of that manic episode. And when you're in the manic episode, it's like the universe. I don't know how to describe mania other than to say it's like the universe being like, Oh, they're open. Let's give them all of it. It's like, Oh, Oh, the door's open. Great. But let's give them worse. <laughs> we're so excited the door is open for them and that they're seeing signs everywhere and they're seeing synchronicities everywhere. So, so let's just give them stuff without thinking about whether or not they can handle it all. And that's what was happening for me. I was synchronicity after synchronicity, understanding after understanding. Oh, wow. But I still had these shitty Baptist filters. I still had the insecurity of the artist that's always striving and never, you know, still had that energy of the of the striving too hard artist, which, you know, depression helped me shed. I still had all of these bad filters for the stuff, the good stuff that I was starting to realize about the world and that the universe was starting to send my way. And, and I ended up being, being this like blazing Icarus way too close to the sun burning as I flew, burning other people as I flew. How long was that? I had like an intense, moment of like awakening that probably sparked it one summer mm -hmm. and then the inability to manage that awakening well was the mania that was an afterglow that lasted for like maybe a year oh that's a long time it was a long time and it enough to like when you come out of the mania a lot enough to do enough things that my spirit had to like go into a hole for a while before I could find forgiveness for it, you know, in perspective, you know, like I, and I, I didn't do like horrible things, but like the people closest to me 
when you're in mania, you just think no one understands you. And you think like everything you're doing is right. And everything everyone else is doing is wrong. And of course that's a delusion. And if you're someone like me who has very bright energy, you can like, what's that name of that song from rage against the machine killing in the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you can do a lot of killing in the name. Like you can do a lot of like damage in the name of your own misunderstandings. Well, that's a really interesting way of twisting. I mean, that that's a song about police brutality, but that concept of killing in the name is really interesting. Killing things in the name of something else. Yeah. That violence, that's a violent and irresponsible act. Killing is a violent and irresponsible act, no matter how it's, no matter what uh, philosophy is created to justify it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and, and how many little deaths can we accomplish without killing anyone? And that's, that's what happened with my mania is like, you know, I just, it was just a lot of pain and a lot of, so, so after that happened and the thing calmed down, thankfully I still kept some things. I'm grateful for like my big generous heart and that stayed. And like, there was a sweetness of spirit that stayed, but I also, because I have those things, I'm really sensitive to like pain that happens to me and pain that I might cause others. So when the whole when the aftermath was done and I was looking back, it was like, I was so hard on myself. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to stop being for like nine months. I had to stop. It was like nine or 10 months that I was in my depressive thing. I just, I just needed to, what, what did you say in your email that I loved many things? But one of the things you said is like deep rest, deep rest. And then like, yeah. And the sentence after that was like, you have become an avatar that your spirit can't handle. Yeah, or something like that. like, that's a Jim Carrey thing. Jim I Carrey's love that. He's got a lot of yeah. wisdom on depression. I know it's kind of weird and strange to look to celebrities, and I don't, I don't take celebrity culture too seriously in that for that reason. But I think that there's wisdom if a person has lived experience, and you can get something from that person's lived experience. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter where it's coming from, and. So Jim, this guy, this guy Jim on the planet said that, and I really, really appreciate that. I, I think there's something to that deep rest, and what was the other part? That like an, an that you're living, you're living an avatar yeah. that you can't carry anymore. I was just going to find that exactly thing about what I said about. Yeah, because it. It, it was worded really, really well. Um, but yeah, that that oh, helped man. me. Yeah. He says, yeah, depression is your body saying, I don't want to be this character anymore. I don't want to hold up this avatar that you've created in the world. It's too much for me. Mm. You should think of the word depressed as deep rest. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, good Lord. We are both singer-songwriters. I mean, talk about an avatar. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> you're not, a, it's like... You've got your you've got your life where you go grocery shopping and you do whatever you do. But then, what a weird thing it is! I just saw you're about to go on tour here again. I'm about to do the same. So we're gonna we've just made this agreement. I had this revelation about performing when I did my first show after my first show in the real world after like the first 
stretch of the pandemic. Yeah. And it was an outdoor thing out, out here by the Balboa Theater. And, you know, I put on the posts, hey, I'm going to be playing the show or whatever. And then it just occurred to me after a year of being private, this is so bizarre. Why am I telling everyone in the world where I'm going to be and when I'm going to be there and ask them to come there and meet me there and then silently listen to me? (laughs) Like, what a weird thing that is. And it's also, I love it for some reason. And so do the people. And the thing that's even harder to understand is so do do many, 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 many of the people that that do it when I go to a concert. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, totally. But it's, but it's, it is very bizarre and it is very much like an avatar or this other character because mm. you're not that person the other 22 and a half hours of the day. You know, you don't walk into the grocery store acting like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's like, you know, there's so many songs that have been written about like how hard it is to love a sailor because they're always in the sea. And oh, I think wow. that, yeah. I think that there's definitely an archetype there where it's like as a singer songwriter, that avatar, yeah, like you got to be careful how much that takes over your other pieces of your human existence. Cause if you do too much performing then let's just talk about a self-care thing. Then you like go to a grocery store and you feel like you're on stage. And you every time you talk with someone on Facebook, you feel like you're on stage. And then every time you're texting with someone, you're kind of on in a weird way. And if you don't watch out, like that avatar, yeah, it's like it takes over and, and your, yeah, and yourself is this little self. It's like, you never hang out with me anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I, I've gotten to a point where my wellness and my experience of being on the planet, being earthbound in a way that is positive and contains some degree of contentedness, that's actually more important to me than the avatar. Mm. And mm, that's a huge that. development for me because I've I dedicated my life to this thing. You know, I mean, I made so many compromises, relationships, other lives lost, all in the sake of pursuing this idea of putting out creations as John Elliot into the world. And really, I'm going to keep doing that. That's my life's work. It's, it, it's, it means the world to me. However, I really believe this too. I think I can say this and I mean it. It's not as important to me as living my life. Mm, and maybe wow. I'm able to say that because I feel like, hey, I've been doing it for 20 years. I have a body of work. If I die tomorrow, that work will last at least on hard drives for a little while. So I've did, mm. I did my thing um, and I'll continue to do it, but at, at least I, I accomplished something. Maybe that's why I'm able to feel that way, but, but I really do... Yeah, man, it's it's really really hard. The other problem with that with that job is it's so much about other people and validation from other people. Yeah, which you have yes. no control over. Yes, you have no control, and you, and, and you have so much doubt over. Even if some like you know this as well as I do that like it is so much easier to 
it's so much easier to dismiss 10 really genuine compliments from people about your art than it is to ignore one. It's, it's harder to throw away one bad compliment than it is to accept um, 10 good compliments. Like you couldn't, you couldn't hold, I'm a little better at this now, but certainly in my early time as a musician, I couldn't hold 30 compliments as long as I held one bad. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. About your thing. Oh yeah. Of course. When you did talk about weird, when you actually think about that, right? Yeah, that actually is weird. Yeah, it's weird. And something that's helped me recently, man, is like starting to attend shows myself, and like shutting the fuck up. Oh, I like that. And going to a show, and being the listener. And here's what it did for me. Not only did it like humble me in that, like, whoa, this is hard. This is a real gift when someone does this to me as a performer, etc. But the the best thing it did for me was like reinforce the value of what I was doing on stage. Right. Once I got out of my head as a listener, I was like, wow, this really is lovely. Whoa, this is a good self-care like thing I'm doing right now. Well, Listening that's to cool, someone Bobby. else, you know, speak their truth yeah. and finding the ways it lines up with mine. Whoa, like big gift I'm giving myself, big gift they're giving me. And it allowed me to go up on stage with a little less. Yeah. Like, worry about is this good what i'm doing right now is this a fair transaction you know and all this <laughs> i know what was i i was just watching my friend the other day oh yesterday my friend had a live stream and um matt fockler was his guest do you know that songwriter matt fockler uh-uh. he's great oh right, cool. he's so good and he he starts the first song he played was someone else's song. And he said, I always have to play, I always have to start with someone else's song because no one would know my songs if other people hadn't gone out in the world and played them. You know? Whoa. Yeah. So I got to start with someone else's. And he just has this really, I mean, he's an amazing writer, but he's also just got this great humility to him. But um, I had that same experience, Bobby. I was watching him play and I was like, this is awesome. You know, like this guy, Matt, is a guy on the planet mm-hmm. who's playing songs with words that he wrote. And <laughs> I was somehow I was able to abandon the judgment mind. That's mm, my, yeah. I'm telling you, man, my, it's a gift from my mother, is my judgment. <laughs> and <laughs> it is, it is my, my my journey is to learn how to transcend that judgmental perspective. It really is. And it's going to be a lifelong journey. <laughs> but I was able to quiet it last night and just be with it and just not think about the phrase or the could it be written differently or whatever. Just be there. And it was like, God, this is great. Mm. What a cool thing we get to do. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, do you know Forrest Sun? Have you heard of Forrest Sun? Yeah, yeah, Sun? he's great. I like him. He's really great. And lately, man, I got to say, he's been on a writing roll. And he has a, a song that's um, his simple, his simplicity of his wisdom is what's so great to me. And he has a song called Something Ragtime. And all the line says is, if you want to save your soul, you're going to have to lose your mind. <laughs> if you're going to save if you want to save your soul you're going to have to lose your mind i know you like to think a lot i like you better when you're not 
if you want to save your soul, you're going to have to lose your mind. Oh man. And it's so beautiful because it puts it so well. Like, yeah, I, I have such a heightened value of my thinking brain that I often don't realize it's acting as a, a too big filter totally for my feeling self totally it's, bobby it's yes in front of my feeling self and then my brain is saying you can go here you can go here but no sorry this doesn't make it to the heart and yeah. if i get it out of the fuck out of the way <laughs> yeah that makes me think of my of a, an old rain and rose song i like you better she goes i like you better when you're sleeping because you can't make some jackass comment <laughs> <laughs> oh you know Oh, Raina. Yeah. You know, so it's talk about someone else's songs. I actually, that's Raina's is one of the one artists that I've ever like written and been like, can I commission? Like, like, I love your song so much. I want to play it on my album. Can I just pay you? Um, because I love this song and also just to put it on my album. I haven't released it yet, but it's the song that you sang that you broke down on singing. Oh yeah. I constantly break that song. I still don't that think I made it through you, without, cry- without crying. Yeah. Um, it's, are you still in love with the world? I remember when you broke too, because it's the line that says blaming our bodies. Yeah, the castle and the key. I don't remember. Conscience guards the castle, but it's lost the key, so we're stumbling and mumbling and blaming our bodies. Oh. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. That's what we're gonna close this episode with. Is that song? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so God, that good. song is so good. Because like it's it's like how why is our like why is our why would our conscience like why would my gallbladder turn on my body like that like why would and why would our conscience turn on our body yeah oh my that's what makes you cry is like the the betra- the betrayal of it that happens to all of us yeah yeah because we why is that like the yeah is that just the the curse of of a homo sapien is that we've achieved this level of consciousness I think it's the curse of the clothed homo sapien. Yeah. So I'm so I'm writing a book right now, the clothed homo sapien. Oh, the clothed. Oh, yeah. Get into that. I wanted to talk about that. So I'm writing a book right now, and I I won't talk too much about it. But one idea that I'm I'm going to write about a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe it'll be like four or five stories around this idea. Is the idea of a clean, empty tomb, and a dirty, full garden. And. In the creation myth of the Bible, it starts out in a garden and it's messy, but no one cares. And they're naked, but no one cares. And it's dirty, but no one cares. And so it's full of life and beauty and probably sex. So you can't tell me that they're like naked in a garden and not getting on. And God comes and hangs out with them sometimes. Who knows what happens there? Like, it's a crazy, full, dirty, alive, flourishing mess. And then by the time Jesus arrives, he he constantly calls the religious people of his day whitewashed tombs. And he's like, your tombs are clean, man. It's it's like it's like what a what a cool thing for like a a beach bum to tell a bunch of like corporate hacks in Santa Cruz that think they're better than him. Like it'd be so great for like them walking by with their their Teslas and their mopeds like cussing out a beach bum. He's like, hey, your tombs are clean, man. Your tombs are real clean, man. 
it's <laughs> I know. Jesus it's, was so cool till it got Jesus all weird. Was, was so cool. But but it's such a good metaphor of like if you want to clean, if you want everything to be spotless, it's fine. But the thing that's also gonna leave is the spirit of unpredictability, wildness, play, and the color that different elements can bring to a tomb. You want to make it all white? Great, we'll make it all white. There'll be nothing there. It'll be like the Matrix. Nothing, nothing. Right. You want it all dark? Okay, but there'll be nothing there. There'll be like no noise, no no color. Wow. You know, like, and I think that that's, that's our life wandering here on this earth is we're, we're wandering between those two ways of living, like wild and unpredictable and risky and not without pain but full of life or perfected and overwrought and overthought and planned so well, but removed of all unpredictability or play or a sense of um, unexpectedness and surprise. Yeah. And let's go back to your, there's no clear lines. What was it? Strict lines and sharp edges. Yeah. 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 Strict <laughs> lines. Let's go. Let's be careful. Cause I wanted to actually say this when you mentioned the word bipolar, I wanted to interject and just say, sometimes I don't find the labels to be helpful mm. because people have ideas about what labels mean and they have stigma attached to those labels and we can transcend that. I think that the spectrum is interesting. Cause I, you know, I would say that I haven't had a full blown depression probably now, which is pretty, this is pretty exciting to say this truthfully, but it's been like four years. Oh, that's amazing. And not man. only that, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to again, Bobby. Mm. I feel like I've kind of gotten out of it. But that doesn't mean that there aren't days or hours that I've spent toward that side of the spectrum. Mm, yeah. You know, I've had days or weeks where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of, okay, I'm kind of just, I'm kind of in it right now, you know? Yeah. But I'm not in the nine month, which I know the nine month. I've been in yeah. the bunker. I know yeah. it very, very well. And similarly, I've had some pretty rocking periods where I'm like, I'm rocking right now, you know, like <laughs> I'm rocking, but I'm aware that I'm rocking and I'm taking care of myself and I'm getting my Good, sleep. Yes. So yeah, I think, I think it's important to keep, I think there's some forgiveness. I think it's helpful to define things. And then as you progress, I think it's really helpful to have some forgiveness and some allowance Yeah. on both of those because it's shame. I wanted to say this when you were talking about the religious thing. The other thing, my dad used to say, and my dad saved me from Catholic school. My mom mm. wanted me to go to the Catholic school. Dad wasn't into it. And that that would have been a whole different deal. Yeah, who would have known? Yeah. Who knows? But dad did say a couple times, shame on you when you did something wrong. Mm. And isn't that just horrendous? What a spell to cast. Oh my God, I know. It's so, what a spell. Yes, and it's so visual, isn't it? Like shame on you. Yeah, you're covered wow. in this like slimy shame. You wow. know, I don't think you should feel shame about being depressed for a little bit. I don't think you should feel shame about crushing it for a little bit. Yeah. But 
it's really good to be conscious of some degree of balance, I guess, or some degree of, yeah, balance. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm so glad you said that. And the other thing I'd say, just to add to that or put another layer to that, um, is that like, yeah, the reason to not get stuck on labels. And I, I even to this day, like I feel weird. I say, I, I'll use a word bipolar only because like some psychiatrist at Kaiser Permanente use the word bipolar when he like but she didn't even like it was definitely like a casual she wasn't like you are for sure bipolar she was just like you had these two things we're going to prescribe this for you and then you know she gave me some medication but this is what i wanted to say the problem with labels is that then those who decide what labels are official and not are the ones who give the diagnoses and prescribe the medicine and often the medicine if the medicine is fixated to a label that, like you said, is only a spectrum of who you are, then that's where you get the points where the side effects aren't are often not worth the prescription. Yeah. Because you're that spectrum of being that's not just bipolar, that's also hopefully like empathetic and aware and connected to your friends. And like you have all sorts of a spectrum of who you are. And all they can do is give you medicine that will like, frankly, almost all of them, like just make you feel a little bit less. Right. I mean, I have, my other problem with it is that it's an illness-based model instead of a wellness-based model. So oh, I love that. you yeah. are ill. You are ill. You have this illness. It has a name. Mm. And, and and you even think about it as some people will say, I am bipolar. Yeah. Like the, I am that. That is what I am. You know, yeah. instead of I am experiencing symptoms that are consistent with what some people call this, or mm. I not I am depressed, but I'm experiencing symptoms that are associated with what we currently in the 21st century call depression. But then also, that. Yeah. illness is is treated with medication, and you are you always are ill, and you're just trying to manage this illness that you always are. Mm. as opposed to aspiring toward wellness. And what does wellness look like? It looks very different for everybody. Mm. Wellness for you in the bunker maybe is like watching Seinfeld for 12 hours. Mm. That might be the best you can do mm. in that moment. Yeah. And that's still, hey man, I mean, I had a friend, trigger warning, I had a friend uh, commit suicide mm. uh, recently. Mm, so sorry. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's fucking devastating. Yeah. yeah, it's devastating and it's I didn't think we were, I didn't think I was going to talk about that, but here we are. It's devastating and it's also I wish you would have watched Seinfeld for 12 hours. Mm. That would have been that's much more that's much closer to wellness mm -hmm. than taking a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And also, when I hear that, what I think, and I, I feel it, I felt it, that's why I sent you that email. I felt it when I heard that you were experiencing depression too. I just feel this deep empathy because I've experienced it so I know what it feels like. Mm. And because I'm not feeling it currently, I'm just like, I just, I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine on this beautiful day 
someone is feeling like wow i know that feeling you know mm. and, and then for the end that you feel and not like why don't they why can't they figure it out it's like no oh no like yo it's the, just sad it's just as them yeah, yeah and for empathy for for leanne it's like it's 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 triple because oh my god not only that but it was so bad that she was able to do that mm. can you imagine how bad that must have been no yeah, I can't either, actually. Yeah. I can't either. I know the walls of that hallway, but I still will admit, even in my nine months, to be being on the far early end of that hallway. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, it, it, it gets darker from where I was. And I can't imagine what Leanne was going through at all. But it's almost like those drawings of a well. It's like where, where you know, like you see this drawing of a well and it just gets, all you see is like, a gray hole that's descending into blackness, you know, it's like, we've been at the lid of the well. Yeah. So we look down and we know that like the farther that you get down, the less there are rungs to climb out and that it's really funky and like it's slippery because of the shame. Yeah. All sorts of slimy shame all around the wall. Like we, we, we understand where people are and that's what helps fill us with like, Oh shit! Why aren't there more ropes? Why aren't there more accesses to Seinfeld and in <laughs> <laughs> permission? Permission? Yeah, permission. That. That's and that's what your email did. It was it gave me permission to. It was like YouTube videos. I'd like watch YouTube videos all day. Yeah, watch them all day, Bobby. Because here we are, and you're still here. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy that her name was Leanne. I wrote a I wrote a verse of a song, and I used Leanne like literally Whoa. an hour before meeting with and it. And really? John, and John, I don't know a Leanne. Yeah, see, we, there's a bit. I, exactly. Like, I don't know a Leanne. Uh, see, and so, you know, we could call translate, translation. Oh, mistranslate. Mistranslate. Yeah, yeah. We could take that experience as the presence of the Lord. Right, right. Or just like amazing mystical spirit or what? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or we could be like, wow, that's. That coincidence allowed me to get to tell you that. And that's worthy in and of itself. Like, we don't need any extra toppings. That's like a really good sub sandwich, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This has been a wonderful conversation, Bobby. Thank you so much for taking the time to share. I knew it was going to be, I knew you were going to share so openly. But, uh, yeah, we went some really interesting places here. What do we need to tell the world about you? BobbyJoeValentine.com. BobbyJoeValentine.com. And uh, yeah, Facebook, Instagram. I wander all over the country and do events. Website's a great place, you know, because I'm going to start doing like writing retreats and interesting gatherings for people that want to explore themselves a little bit more. And, the website um, is great. I love your oh, about thanks, your bio. It's like, I love the way the bio is divided. Oh, thank parts. you. One good thing of the pandemic, because I had someone else help me with my website. <laughs> cool. Hey, there were some there were some positive. We learned a lot. We're all learning a lot. I don't want to arm wrestle the conversation, but I want to let you go too. So I want to say I want to talk about two things. How do you reckon with how fortunate we are to have our experience of life that we have? And then these images that we've been seeing on TV and on the internet of this war in Ukraine and the way that others live, how do you reckon with that? How do you hold all those realities and then still be grateful 
for your good fortune in the face of so much suffering? Oh man, this is like the question, right? It's like, this is the, the question that dances people in and out of like faith in life in general and hope about the world all wrapped up in this question of like, yeah, like how to live if, if you should live happily during the war. Right. I remember that. I love that you made that poem into a song. Isn't that poem beautiful? It's really beautiful poem. I've had a couple experiences that I, I cannot, I, I cannot explain. And um, maybe over a beer, I'll explain it to you sometime that were like, I have had a couple conversations with God that could not be anything, but I'll just say that. Wow. Yeah. That couldn't be anything, but, and I am qualified. Like I'm set up to be the worst skeptic in the world, right. Or best, the best skeptic in the world <laughs> because of my past. And I just had like, I had a conversation like two days ago that was like, Oh, I'm talking with God now. Okay. Well, what did he, she, or it say? It was a girl named Rachel. And um, she had all sorts of things to say about past relationships. She knew stuff. She knew stuff I could not have told her. I literally had just met this woman. And she had all sorts of things to say about my current relationship. She knew names. She knew places. She knew personality types. She conjured my and their spirits for me in conversation without me giving any clues. Wow. So, so I've had enough experiences where it's like, I do feel like there's a God, but it's almost like the feeling I get is that like, if there's a God, it's a very imperfect one. Who's just as new at things and just as bad at things as we are. Like (laughs) I have almost had moments when I've gotten the sense that like, this is really hard to explain, but it was almost like, like God is asking forgiveness hmm. for the chaos in the world, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. Like I didn't, I set it up. But I had no idea it was going to go like this. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. And that's like, that's the first place I start is like, if there's someone in pain and there's someone in joy then when we ask where God is, if we just take a solo shot of the person in pain, it's like God is the person in pain. You know what I mean? Like God is the person in pain. There's not some other thing that we need to blame for causing it. The suffering is real and valid and terrible. And God isn't like somewhere causing it. The deep pain and suffering and grief is the universe's way of saying how bad it is. What's wow, happening. yeah, you know what? That also made me think, though, yeah, and simultaneously at the same moment is the joy. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like what, what I get, what, what happens with a lot of people when bad things are happening, they want to put a frame around it and be like, this is it, answer for this, God. Right. And God's like, do you know that like out in the ocean, There's a space of ocean that is 50 times the size of Ukraine and nothing bad is happening there. Yeah. And like dolphins are playing tonight. Exactly. Exactly. Like, (laughs) and so we, it's our realm of focus tends to be on the things that are the most 
like the most suffering in the world. And there's not really, there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that like, if your knee is bleeding, you don't fucking ignore the knee. Like you've got to handle the wound, especially if your gallbladder is attacking your body. You don't ignore the gallbladder. You don't be like, it's like, I did what I could. I finally did what I could with the gallbladder. The thing I had the power to do, which was go to the hospital. And then someone else had to take it out, you know? And I feel like that when I think of like national giant events, it's like, I can do what I can. I have a friend who's in the middle of it, whose family is in the middle of it. And I've offered like some personal support to him. I've also offered what financial support I could give. I've given, and you know how that works. Like I didn't give literally everything in my bank account. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Right, exactly. I I I always think about that. Like, well, how much is enough to, to a charity, to a charitable cause? I mean, why not? How much you got, you know? You got, you know, it's like, yeah. Have you heard of St. Francis? Yeah, what's the deal with St. Francis? Like, kind of a really interesting um, uh, um, monk who was very, like, connected to nature and animals and had a great mystical view of life that, like, confounded and delighted the world and still does to this day but a reporter came up to saint francis one time and he was tending his garden and the reporter i'm sure there was wars somewhere and i'm sure the world was burning somewhere and in that context the reporter was like if jesus was going to come back right now and the world was going to end no in an hour if the jesus was coming back and the world was going to end in an hour what would you do saint francis And St. Francis, this guy that's like known to be like the empathetic guy, the live poorly so that other people can live okay guy. Uh He looked up from his garden and he said, I would finish tending my garden. (laughs) Isn't that such a Jesus thing? (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Enjoy your tombs, dude. That's great. It was like, it's 100% was like this little like. Enjoy your tombs, dude. It was totally this moment of St. Francis being like, this garden needs to be tended. And you know what I mean? And, and, and any like, any person with wisdom that's going through suffering is gonna hope that you really enjoy your joy because right. you have your joy right now. Right, and you're gonna have your suffering too. And you're gonna have your suffering too. So man, you better enjoy that joy. Oh, I love it. That's like the Warren Zevon enjoy every sandwich quote. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that one. Every time I have a sandwich, I think of that. Okay, leave us with this. So I performed at the Oregon Country Fair. Um, There's this, like, sauna where everyone's naked. And I performed at the sauna where everyone's naked, but Bobby, I did not have the courage to be naked myself. (laughs) And I had my swimming suit on. You've performed naked. Yes, and I'm doing it again in literally four days. I'm going to Arizona and playing naked. So what's the deal? Like, tell me about that experience. Oh, my goodness. You're just naked? Does the guitar, I mean, are you standing naked? I'm standing naked, and man, the guitar only goes so low. I'm so impressed. That is the height of bravery to me. I'm just... The guitar's worse. The guitar's like... A curtain that's not going down. It's like a framing. Yeah, it's like framing. Terrible one. A terrible one because it's kind of big. So you know, in perspective, um, kind of puts everything else in a smaller contrast. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so so uh, I. (laughs) 
I got invited to play at this place called Gay Naturists International, and it was up in the Poconos, and it was a collection of 550 guys, um, almost all of whom happened to be gay, although you, anyone could come, you know, that identified as, as male anyway. And it was this campsite, and they had like swimming and cocktails and hangouts, and, you know, all very like, consensual, friendly, and very like healthy like boundaries. No one was like, you know, accosting anybody sexually or anything. And they invited me to come perform. And, and I got there on Sunday and I was playing Monday night. And I got there on Sunday and everyone was naked. So it's like I had a day to kind of break in. Right, totally. So I had it. So I want to give you like, don't be too hard. I had a day to like break in and just hang out with guys with my clothes off. And as like 30 seconds in, a minute in, well, okay, let's say 10 minutes in. After you realize that no one is like looking down at your junk all day, that everyone's naked. And so there's this quality of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. So how's your day going? And isn't the sunrise nice? Isn't that, let's go to the pool. Let's yeah, go I mean, out. I've experienced that when I've been at like hot springs or whatever. It's always like such a, this is also left over from the Catholic body shame, who knows? It's always such a big deal. Oh, are we taking our clothes off, you know? And then as soon as they're off, it's over. It's like, there's nothing else to take off. I mean, you're naked. It's like, <laughs> it's not a big deal. But for some reason, it really, making that leap is, is challenging. It really it, is. It is 100%. And I'll, I'll tell you, the benefit of it is wrapped up in a little thing that you just said, which is that there's nothing left to take off. Right. So right. performing naked, once you get over it, and I was nervous for, I, I'd give myself a solid, like, generous four or five songs before I could really feel comfortable up there. Because it's, I mean, it's different, too, when you're just walking around. Like, performing, there was, like, 275 guys that decided to come to the concert, so they're all just staring just Jeez. at you and the spotlight. There's a spotlight. and They're also naked. And I, they're also naked, yeah, which helps. It's just everybody's naked. Yeah. But I tell you what, and this is where I'm going to say, like, the graciousness, because I'm sure I, like, stumbled and faltered through the first two or three songs, and every single one of them saw through that to, like, the core of the lyrics I was trying to write and the message I was... Yeah, yeah. And they just, like, applauded so richly, and they got me to where I could be comfortable, and then there's nothing left to take off. And then it becomes the best show I ever played. And totally, it was the start of a tour and I had brought like 250 CDs and I sold all of them. That oh, night, wow. I sold all of them. Wow. So I had to have my partner overnight me CDs. It like kicked off my tour in the best way. So That's now great. it's like, yeah, when I see like, I actually, when I'm touring somewhere, I look up like naturist places and I like offer them a concert. That's awesome. I love it. I mean, the the solo songwriter thing is so naked in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the literal embodiment. Yeah. Of it. You know, it's like not only are there no drums or bass or anything else up here, but also there's no clothes. It's just and it's just me bearing my soul. It's literally know? just me and my guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, it's all, I always go too long. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for oh, your time. Oh, this is my pleasure. Man. I just love you, man. I believe in you so much. I, I, I just, yeah. Thanks for what you put out in the world and 
No matter where you are in the spectrum, I'm glad you're here on the planet while we are on the planet. Feelings mutual, my friend. Thank you. Years of history of our planet condensed into the time frame of one 24-hour period. So imagine the Earth was created at 12 midnight and think about the history of 4.5 billion flashing through the course of a day, all right? Let me ask some of the kids, if you knew what time, when the dinosaurs showed up on this planet in that 24-hour day, does anybody know? Anyone want to guess? It was 10.45 p.m. is when the dinosaurs worked on this earth. A pretty good guess. You get a, you're a winner. So 10.45, and it was about 40 minutes later that there was a cataclysmic climate event that caused the dinosaurs to go extinct. And at 11.30 p.m. is when mammals showed up. But let me ask, when do folks think human beings walked this earth? Anybody know? 11.58 and 43 seconds. So one minute and 17 seconds before midnight. That is how long we have been on this earth in the scheme of things. And fear is a seed that rolls right to our toes Step over it withers, swallow it grows Swallow it grows And the earth she is shaking, maybe she's cold We were so young once, now we're Getting old and you know there's an oyster out there with a pearl But there's so many clams Are you still in love with the world? Are you still in love with the world? Are you still in love with the world? Are you still in love with the and rusting and there's nothing to do but plant a garden make something sweet right there in your yard and each day is forever the future and past we're all looking for something that maybe will last and it comes in a box big as the sky unfurled open your eyes are you still in love with the world are you still in love with the world Beauty of heaven and earth And the longer we wait For the sky to fall 
ghosts of our stupid choices And our conscience guards the castle But it's lost the key So we're stumbling and mumbling And blaming our bodies and faith as a mouse And the biggest of houses And hope is a wind that lifts the wings of swifts and grouses Let it stir your wet feathers How you boys and girls jump the edge Are you still in love with the world?